<laughs> yo, off the rip. I love your energy. Uh, welcome to the Head Crack After Hours. Is uh, yo, I, words and pronouns is so weird in 2021. I don't know what to lead with, but this talented individual has been crushing it on the comedy scene. Has a brand new podcast called Laugh and Learn, and is thriving even during the pandemic. One time for Flame and Row. What up? What's up? Hey, thank you, Hey, Frank. Thank you guys for having me. Hello. Hello, Anytime. everyone. Anytime. Yo, your journey has <laughs> been a very interesting one. Like, you know, I've been seeing glimpses of you, you know, over the last like year and a half, almost two years. And, uh, you know, my manager, Anna, was like, yo, got Flame Monroe for after hours. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So for people who maybe just are learning about you today, and I know you got tons of fans, you know, what is your story? Let's Let's go back. Well, let's start with your opening statement, which is pronouns. My okay. my preferred pronoun that I created for myself is he, she, we. Cause he cash the check, she make the money, and we spend the same bitch you're looking at. Oh, can I use let's, that kind of language? You sure can. Let's <laughs> say it one more time, slower. He, she, we. He, she, we. He cashes the check, she makes the money, and we spend it. Because none of my checks are in Flame and Roll. They come in my legal mail name, but the bitch in me make the money. And we both enjoy the fruits of our labor. <laughs> Yo, that is the dynamic that I appreciate about your story because you know it's 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 truly like you know like you know Clark Kent by night, Superman by day, or whatever in in reverse, whatever. Because you know, full time father got custody of all your kids, and, and doing that fatherhood okay. thing to the max. But you know, Thank when it's you. when it's time to perform and turn up, you flame and roll. Hey, listen, we all wear a uniform in this life. I don't care what job you have and you think you ain't dressing up to go to work, but you still dress up to go to work, whether it's in a uniform or in whether you're comfortable in. And this is my job. I, I am a transgender person, but this is my job. So I always have looked at it like it was a gig to me. Any job that I take, I always treat it as such. Any job that you take, you should always think in your head, I'm going to do this job so good because the next job, somebody is watching me to give me the next job. So I always think like that. That 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 is what kept me working, even during this pandemic. Yeah, you're giving them the full flame effect, even in the pandemic. You know what I mean? So that's dope. So, you know, you're born in Chicago, West Side Projects. Um, you know, big comedy Westside, town. Big comedy town. Big comedy So. Huge. At what point did you decide to leave Chicago, which is known for a lot of great comedians, you know, yourself included, and uh, relocate to California? Well, with what you saying that Chicago, which is, was huge for comedy, starting with the club, all jokes aside, especially for black urban comedy, which is where I started. Bernie Mac was there, um, George Wilborn, Damon Williams, uh, uh, D. Ray Davis, Evan Lionel, Corey Holcomb, all these guys came out of this same arena of death I mean, of all jokes aside in Chicago owned by Raymond Lambert. And um, I just, I was with that and I saw Bernie Mac and every comic from Chicago that made it, including Lil Rail, who's famous now, had to leave Chicago to make it. Not to say that we have some comedians in Chicago that are more talented than anybody you've ever seen, but their fear of leaving their comfort zone kept mm -hmm. them grounded. So when I watched everybody else move, and I, I got sick of the cold weather. You know, all this silicone in my body. I'm the Wizard of Oz, which is my favorite movie. I was afraid this silicone, I was going to be like the Tin Man, just stuck in the frozen. Oh, no, no, thank you. I had to go. 
Plus, I wanted to raise my children on the beach. I wanted my children to be beach bums. I wanted my children to have every opportunity that I did not have. So that was always important to me. Okay, so let's talk about your comedy journey. You know, when you first started doing comedy, did you start out as Flame Monroe? Always started off as Flame. I was out. See, I did drag shows in Chicago, three and crack four. I hosted for 17 years successfully underground, but I did drag shows for almost 20 years, you know, and maybe 15 years in, we went to a comedy club as a, just a couple, me and a couple of gay friends of mine. And we were just wanting to be nosy and be all up in the straight club. I'm thinking I was a girl. I'm thinking I'm past it. I was never <laughs> a passable queen. Let me say that. But the body was cold. I was a cold hearted bitch with the body. Anywho, so Damon Williams, who was the host of the Wednesday night show, you know, saw that I wasn't a girl from the audience and he he started going in on me. What he did not know is that he was fucking with a champion because I told that ass up from the oh, audience. Oh, clapping back. Said, oh my God, my clap back. Let me tell y'all something. I ain't worried about what you say to me. I came from the project. We played the dozens all day because we ain't had no food or no money. When I tell you that my clap back will make you commit suicide, I play no games with you. I'm going deep and hard immediately. And that's in a couple of ways. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on now, yo, flavor bro. You um, we uh we I just I had to bring my children here because we were, I wanted a better life for my kids. I did, and my journey in comedy was the guys who I talked about were never insecure around me. You know, let me tell you something here, crazy about this comedy game and the insecurity of men. Starting with my brothers, okay. we're black men. I'm a black woman. I'm a black woman and a black man. You figure that one out. Anywho. Your insecurity, a lot of guys, a lot of comedians who could have given me opportunities or who could have given me a break didn't because of what I look like. Not my content, not that the audience always had some kind of love affair with me, because I was never the funniest comic. I'm only a B comic to me. That's what I think of as myself. I'm a grade A host. I can host anything, the greatest events ever I can host because what I do is make people feel good about themselves, laughing at you while laughing at me while we laughing at each other. You know right. what I mean? Absolutely. I flirt with men. I flirt with women. I flirt with the men. I flirt with the women because nothing is off balance to me because I'm dressed up like a girl, but I change the voice to talk like a man. You know, and I make everybody comfortable. If my job in this world is to only let down the screen between the straight people and the gay people, then so be it. Because you know what? We could get along if we just sit down and have a conversation with each other. We really, really could. This is true, because I think people would understand and learn that, you know, a lot of our struggles are very similar. You know, it, the, the packaging may be different, but it's uh, the same struggle. And then when you talk about, you know, people not wanting to give you an opportunity because of what you look like, do you feel like that was because yeah. of the space, place and time you was operating in? Because it seems like, you know, from the outside looking in, that there was a lot more acceptance going on than there was before. Well, well, because I was an anomaly. See, it was only me going to the heterosexual comedy clubs. You know, I wasn't going in packs. I wasn't going in groves. And we would see a transgender person or a drag queen every blue moon. Now, you know, shit, we all over there. TV, we every damn well. <laughs> we like soap. We in everybody's house, shit. But uh, back then, because I was unafraid, I never walked in with my head down or scared or timid because I believe in... You don't have to demand somebody respect. You command people's respect. People treat you the way they see you treat yourself. Yeah, you're fearless. Everything I've ever seen you on, the you know, the few episodes of the podcast I caught, your interviews, I mean, you are fearless and unbashedly confident, which lends itself so well to the profession that you know you're, you're doing right now. 
Well, thank you. That's the West Side Project. You know, they give you a good round. I had my ass whooped a couple of times. I whooped a couple of few. I whooped quite a few asses. I understand that. <laughs> so, so Flint, let's talk about your childhood. Growing up in the projects at the time you was growing up, you know, you know, transgender, you know, even being gay wasn't as accepted as, you know, and it's still not, you know, it's still working its way through. But how tough was it for you coming up, you know, as a youngster? Well, it, it was very different than it is now. Here, Craig. If I have to be honest and admit, because I'm 55. Ooh, let me say that out loud. I'm 55. So when I was a kid, the self, we would fight. You know, we would have a good old fashioned. I was always called a sissy or Miss Marcus. They called me a sissy or Miss Marcus, which I thought was great. I thought it was super cute. Uh, <laughs> but we, if I got into it, with, if I had an altercation with you, just for instance, we had a fight on Mondays. Okay. We mean mugged each other on Tuesday. By Wednesday, we side on each other. By Thursday, we smiled at each other. And by Friday, we friends again. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. It was an opportunity to get the aggression off. Nobody died. Nobody hated each other and got stabbed all the school shootings. It was safer for me then to me as a, a young gay person than it is now. Now, I wasn't trans because that was in the projects. I was only in middle school and grade school. But um, I was always girly. I jumped rope. I played with the boys. I played kiss a girl, catch a girl. When I was always a girl, and I always played the white bitch in a B movie. I always fell in that <laughs> car on purpose. <laughs> the one that would fall in a horror movie for no reason. All that good stuff. So, always. so you always. know, so your environment, you know, forged the diamond that you are today. You know, you out here operating in the world, and you know, one thing that, like, you know, I, I let off with this that I really admire is just the fact that how you know you do this fatherhood thing full speed. Now, one would also ask, like, okay, cool, you knew you were gay when you were young, you uh, identify as trans now. You know, how did you come about finding the right lady to have children with? Oh, well, see, I lost my virginity to a brother and a sister in the same week. So understand that I have never not enjoyed the company of the female anatomy. Okay. She just needs to look like a man. If not, it was, if there, there are trans men out here. Now, there's some out here that look like you head crack, but between their legs, they look like the woman that I need. I live so in Atlanta, I so trust me, I have seen it all. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, just being in Atlanta, like, you know. Right. It's, you know, you know. You get used to it, you know, it becomes a thing. So, so like right. so you're attracted to more manly looking females than girly girls per se. Yes, yes, yes. And um, so I lost my virginity to the sister and then three days later to the brother. So I've always enjoyed the female. Me and, when I had a boyfriend, because I've only had one boyfriend in my life. When I had a boyfriend, we had a girlfriend. Understand me that I plays no games. I want what I want when I want it, and th that way you ain't got to cheat because this is a whole chicks party mix. You get all of it. I'll bring somebody <laughs> else here to make sure you get that. <laughs> so okay, so now in your current dating form, so you exclusively date women, but I do I exclusively date women. trans men, trans, trans men, trans okay. men. Yes. Is there a well, see, because that goes back to your that goes back to your very opening title about the titles. You know, people want to be called what they want to be called. Here's my issue with the whole identity thing. You can identify as a goddamn 18-wheel truck and roll the hell on up out of here. <laughs> I passed biology class. I know that this don't look like this. Now, I don't know what you're thinking or what you're saying. It's only two things. You can identify as whatever you want to, but don't force your identity on everybody else. 
Understand right. that I passed biology with a C. A penis does not look, smell, and or feel like a vagina. And if you ain't had both, shut the fuck up and just li- sit back and li- laugh and learn with Flame bro. Because, baby, stop telling me I ain't never tried this and you think that this is the best thing when you ain't never had that. Because I'm like Tina Turner. I like a little bit of this and a whole lot of that. <laughs> she said that. Yo, you know, it's so tough to be hetero and try to have these conversations without ending up in a weird ass trap like oh you wasn't supposed to say that that's not okay anymore because you know like certain labels and titles that were okay a few years ago all of a sudden aren't okay anymore and you know it's a learning process for everybody in real time and you know and some people are like hey i'm gonna say what i used Mm -hmm. to say and some people are like yo no this is wrong this is what it is now well it's the sensitivity of the world now, here's the thing. If Donald Trump ain't wasn't good for nothing else, he helped us stop being so goddamn sensitive because everything had to Y'all let him get away with any and everything. And still today, and he's not even the president, he's still getting away with shit. So if he has done nothing else, he's let, allowed the United States of America for people to say exactly how they feel out loud. You can't hide in the closet no more. You can't hide in the bushes or in the woods. Everyone has been, the wool has been pulled back and we see you for who you are. Do you see your goddamn self? Because I see what you see. I might be transgender, but my eyes still work. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of people seeing what they want to see. And he has said and did the most outlandish things to this country that we have ever seen in my lifetime. In my lifetime. And I'm older than a whole bunch of y'all listen, I'm sure. But yep. in my lifetime. But if he has done nothing else, he made it okay for you to tell your neighbor, I don't want to talk to you. We have to live next to each other. We can be cordial, but we're not friends. He made it okay because he was so disrespectful to this United States of America and right in our faces, and we allowed it. So now we should allow everybody else. Y'all stop getting so overly sensitive about words that people say. If it don't pertain to you, it don't pertain to you. Okay, so on that note, Flame, on that note, though. I'm about to take my wig off. (laughs) Nah, keep the full flame effect, I'm saying. So, you know, in the business that you're in, right? Comedy, I always felt that comedy should be the safe space to where you can kind of come and say whatever you want to say. It's a judgment-free zone. Mm -hmm. Because the only time people get mad at Mm -hmm. something is if it's about them. They laugh at everything else about everybody else, but now that it's about you, now all of a sudden it's not funny and people are upset. What's your take on that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the guy's honest truth. I don't think that comedy should be censored. But as a comedian, I think you should have sense enough to know what is going to work and what is not going to work. At least, and I know you want to try some things, but if you know that it's offensive and not painful, like that shit that Kathy Griffin did with the whole Donald Trump head, her whole team should have been fired because they should have mm-hmm. told her not only is it offensive, but it's not funny. Michael Chi just did a joke last Saturday, last Saturday on Saturday Night Live about the whole transgender military lift, ban lift from uh, from the Joe Biden administration. And it's called Don't Ask, Don't Tuck. And a whole bunch of trainees got into an uproar because he called it Don't Tuck. But RuPaul has a show on, on, on Logo that's been on for 11 years called Untuck. You see what I'm saying with the hypocrisy? We it's about, sometimes it's the messenger. Sometimes it's the yes. messenger, you yes. know what I mean? And yes. you know, if it's comedy and you know, comedies are like, jokes are like stunt attempts. Sometimes you will clear the Grand Canyon like Evil Knievel and sometimes you'll crash. And like, you know, that's why we oh, show okay. up just to see the attempt. And yo, your attempts do very well. I was catching a, a little bit of uh, the uh, one of the Netflix clips, right? And you, you was doing a TSA run. And I was just curious, 
on your ID. What what picture is it on the ID in real life? It's my male picture and it says sex M male. So whenever I try to travel as a female and the sex M male with all the guidelines that has happened since 9-11, baby, all the bells and whistles go off. So I just use that experience because every time I go through the through the scanning machine, they really do have to pat me down. And the joke is they come over and they say, well, they see the titties, but then they see the dick at the same time. I'm saying it's just how it is. And then they start telling people, come look. And then you got a hot spot. What you want to pat you down, a male or a female? So I made that joke very real because it really happened to me. You know, that's the most authentic stuff for comedians, the stuff that really happens. And I don't think that they should censor comedians. It's going to make the world, comedians make you think, they make you critically think, they take you to dark places. It's wonderful therapy for comedians because comedians like myself are very dark people and we make you laugh, but sometimes we be in very painful places and that's just the truth. The stage is our therapy, we miss the stage. But I think that they should allow people to be free. Now, if you know you in a room full of, if I'm in, Hicksville, Booka Booka, and I'm in a room full of racist white people. I shouldn't the fuck ain't gonna go out there and attack Trump, nigga, 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 <laughs> because I know what environment I'm in. You Read know, you room. have to know your audience. Read mm. the fuck. A lot of comedians don't do that. They don't go look and see what they're playing up against. They just so used to doing their normal set. Sometimes you have to change up your normal set. I've been changing up my normal set for years. You see this new set I got? <laughs> so when you when you say that's new stuff, like so you just got those. Oh no, these are four years old. I got these done on Botch. I was on the TV show Botch. Wow, did you name them? Uh, no, they're just twenty thousand. That's all. They cost twenty thousand. <laughs> so we, we just call them twenty. Listen, if one of you put a down in his forehead, I can give me some twenty thousand dollars. Thank you very much. Yeah, like little Uzi. Little Uzi. Okay, yeah, little Uzi Vert. And they was trying to get him for cultural appropriation because you know, like you know, they say like you know, Indian people sometimes do the thing in the middle. Do you feel like there's a fine line sometimes between culture appropriation and culture appreciation? I do. And I think that everyone should be very proud of who they are, but that don't make you anti anything else. I'm pro-black before I'm pro-anything because I am black. If I was white, I would be pro-white. That doesn't make me anti anything else. I just love my people, love my culture. Yeah, I'll do some disrespectful shit, but every culture does. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's, it's bad people in all groups. It's bad people in all nationalities. And I hate that people think that everybody in the world is supposed to get around, get along. Everybody's not going to like you. Guess what? You're not going to like everybody. And it's okay. That To me, that's fair. You don't like me. I don't like you. I don't fuck with you. You don't fuck with me. It's just like that. We in the same room, in the same space, but we ain't in the same. Your, your energy ain't going to jump on me because I don't fuck with you. Period. Mm-hmm. Everybody would think everybody got to like them. And you know what's part of that head crack, the damage that it's been a cursing and a blessing for us is social media, the internet. Yeah. These kids have never had a good old fashioned, I'm going to beat your ass 315. I see that all the time. People, everyone needs to know how I feel to get punched in their face for, for doing something <laughs> fucked up. Just once, just Baby. so you know how it feels. Once. So there are repercussions. Yo, when I was in high school and they came out with this zero tolerance policy where people couldn't fight no more, I was like, yo, this is going to end badly. And I'm like 16 when this happened, but I just knew that, oh, man, people going to stop learning how to fight. And shit's going to get weird later on down the road because it's a part of it's a part of conflict resolution. You know, I would rather everybody mm-hmm. know how to fight than no one knows how to fight and everybody has a gun. Right, right. Well, I think you should know how to give an ass whooping and also take one. Because guess mm-hmm. what? Taking an ass whooping sometimes teaches you life lessons. 
here's the problem. When they stopped that, started that no tolerance thing, that's when we get all this aggression of they shooting up the schools and they stabbing kids. We never had none of that back in the 70s when I was a kid. If you would hear something like that, it would be, oh my God, it would have been the most outrageous thing you ever heard. But now it has become so commonplace and I hate that we as a people, and I'm not talking about black people, I'm talking about as Americans. When every time it happens, it had become so commonplace that we was like, oh, another one, another one. That's how we, I feel about black people. It, my, my motto for black people in America because my favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz. Hey, crack, you see my sign? Can you see my some, sign right here? Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Shout out to the scarecrow. Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie. And this is my favorite line from The Wizard of Oz because I've always, um, the, the affiliation of The Wizard of Oz to me and black people in America is the same thing that they want. It's the same thing that we want. We want, we need courage, a heart, a brain, and we want to get home. That's all we want. Every time we leave the house, we got to have the courage to be able to go there and come back. Every time we need a heart to be able when the police pull us over or when we get into an altercation that we can de-escalate the situation to get back home. And you need a brain to have to make both of those things work. So I've always thought of the Wizard of Oz as black people in America because the same shit they want, same shit we want. Same thing that. that we want. But you know who you know who get in our way? Oh, ourselves? Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, all, us. all day. Just us. Just us. Yeah, and I hear that. You know, you spoke about, you know, uh, you know, police. Have you ever had, you know, like, can you tell us about an encounter that you had with law enforcement at any point in time or another that, you know? I told that joke. I told that joke on Netflix. How <laughs> <laughs> should I set you up? Because you do such a good job at telling stories that, you know, sometimes it's hard to distinguish the material from the real stuff. Like, even when you told that story, like, you was doing a show and you said uh, you ran into one of the dudes from the Falcons. And the, the Falcon dude offered you $5,000. And he's like, I didn't get $5,000 for doing this show. So, you know, so it'd be so out there that like, okay, is it the material or did this really happen? Because I know there's truth in comedy. So I never know what's what sometimes. You know, I don't kiss and tell. It was 3500 and I ain't had to run. I had just what he needed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so oh, I haven't pulled over by the police and I said on Netflix that it is safer for me if the police pulls me over for me to say that I'm a trans person than for me to say that I'm a black man because for some reason when they hear that black man all their guards go up and they're ready mm -hmm. to shoot you and kill you so I will put my hands out the window I put my tits out the window and be like officer I'm a tranny I'm a man with breasts anything to take down whatever fear he has of me and my presence so he won't pull out his gun and shoot me because I have to get home to my children. I always have to get home to my children. I hear that. Now, when you're traveling, you know, on the road. But I've been pulled out by the police. I, 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 hold on, dude. Uh, um, uh, shit. Crack. I was pulled out by a police officer who didn't know. And when he found out, when he searched me, he did some strange things with no change. And I didn't get no ticket. I'm just saying. <laughs> what, what, like, was it an extended pat down or a, 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 low, a low pat that lasted longer than it should have? I'm going to say in the words of Michelle Obama, when they go low, no, when they go high, when they go low, we get our dick stuck. Because when I tell you that that white boy was the best, oh, my God. Oh, my Jesus. Thank you. What city was Ooh. this in? I'm flashing. I'm flashing. <laughs> oh, I'm flashing. Um, Ooh, I'm flashing. Hold on, flash. Oh my God, that white boy was so sexy. Uh, this was in Illinois, in Kentucky, gotcha. I think. 
was this? I was young. I was I was very young. I was I was buck wild. Got you. So when you get off stage, Flame, you know how long does it take for you to like you know de-escalate and uh, you know and, and get back into like you know Mark. It depends on the energy of what whatever set I did. Because you have some sets that the room is, the energy is so high, you can't come down for hours. And mm -hmm. then you have some sets that's okay, and then you go, like, well, I, I should have did this, I'm going to change that. Or, or, or. And then sometimes you just come off and you're so damn tired, you just want to eat and just watch TV. That, that always, to me, that always brings you down. Just put the TV on. Even if I'm not watching it, it's the company in my hotel room, so it helps bring me back down to earth. Got you. Now, can we talk about highs and lows for a second? Everybody has that show sure. that like haunts them. Like, oh my God, that was the worst show. It didn't go right. And then everybody has that show that was like, you know, your run DMC at the garden moment, holding up the Adidas. So what was the high and low for you? Uh, low show. Uh, 2000 and ooh, maybe three. I, I auditioned for... Um, uh, uh, what was this? What was Comic View or Comic okay. View? And I was in love. This was my boyfriend. One boyfriend I had named Larry, and we just was in a very tumultuous relationship. That nigga put me in prison and everything. This is how bad this relationship went. Um, and over the body was fine. And they called me back for a second audition, and we was going through a love thing. We had argued that day and probably fought. I don't know, but I got on stage and I completely fell apart. I, really? I mean, fell apart in every way imaginable. And I did not return to comedy. Well, I cannot believe I'm telling this. I would not come back around the comedy arena. I didn't come back for nine months. This is how embarrassed I was. I was humiliated. And one day, I that itch, that itch was still there. But I was embarrassed. You know, I'm going to admit that publicly. I was embarrassed that I, I fell apart here, crack, like you wouldn't believe. And that they were already scrutinizing me and the guys were not very nice to me. A lot of them in the county game. So they were waiting to see me crash and burn. They gave them just what they was looking for. But bitch, I'm back. See? <laughs> Podcast it up. That was the low. Streaming platforms. <laughs> and real quick, so before we go to the high, because you said some things that we can't just drive by, Flame and Roe. So you said you was dating okay. a dude okay. who okay. had you in prison? Yeah, my, my ex-boyfriend, Larry. What happened? See, he was on. He got he got on drugs. Let me tell you something. He turned into another person. He got on drugs and he turned into another person. That's what so, people who on drugs to me do. They turn into somebody else. So did you like beat him up real bad and that's how you got locked up or what? No, no. He was jealous of my drive, of my hustle. Most trans women, and I'm saying this, most trans women that you see with boyfriends or husbands, the trans women carry the title of the wife, but the trans women do all the work and usually make all the money. The boy is just a pawn. He's just somebody to be there. You may, and she may love him, but the hustler and the trans women, trans women got a lot of hustlers, a lot of hustlers. We'll find a dollar when nobody else can't find one. So hats off to my trans sisters that applaud me because I applaud you bitches back. But yeah, he just got jealous of my success and my drive. He, you know, he actually called me maybe two years ago when he saw they ready and said you look because he called me little fat he said look fat you said you was gonna do it i said nigga i told you i was a beast <laughs> and it was good to hear his voice that's what's up like, do uh, that touch, or, or was that I, the I, last I, conversation I was a dumb girl, though. I was a, that was our last conversation but i okay. was a dumb girl here crack when they sent us me to prison for three and a half years i came home to that nigga i came home to this nigga 
Did he well, visit you? I was only gone 48 days. It wasn't that long. Oh, so, okay, so you got out early. You got out early. That's love, I guess. You know, did he visit you well, during those 48 was, days? No, no, no. No, no, no. This was 91. Uh, there was, it was not like it is now. You talk about being a trans now and being a trans then. I was an anomaly. I was a size six. I was maybe 22. Uh, long red hair to my shoulders, my own. Body was banging. I had just got brand new titties in Tijuana, Mexico. There was no place in, the, in a male prison for me. But the judge who sentenced me had a 97 cent per, uh, per, uh, conviction rate. So the, we knew the bitch was going to send me to prison anyway. That was my first time ever getting caught. That was my first time ever getting caught. I ain't said it was the first time I did some illegal shit. Right. But it was my first time ever getting caught because somebody else tricked on me. Oh, I was a slick red bitch. Understand me. <laughs> and um, she, the judge, Judge Joan M. Corboy. I'm telling you guys her name for a reason. Judge Joan M. Corboy. Sentenced me to three and a half years in Illinois River Correctional Center. Um, they sent me to jail. There was no place for me. Day 46, the warden, warden boy, came and found me. He said, are you Parker V? I ain't going to give y'all a rest of that number because you never forget your institution number. I ain't going to tell y'all, though. Fuck y'all. Right. Uh, I say, I am. He said, bitch, you coming up out of my prison. I incited three riots here. Crack. I didn't even know the power that I had because if I had known then what I know now, shit, I would have ran that prison. But my presence, them niggas in jail was going wild because they had never seen nothing like me. So they, I, I wasn't, the, the beauty was my, all my uncles in the projects on the West Side were stones. They were all peace song gangsters. They was all monsters. I seen things that I should have never seen at the age of 11. So I knew I always had a mouthpiece on me. I could talk to anybody because I was never afraid. And I never treated myself as afraid. If I was going to get my ass whooped, you was going to get some shit happen back to you. You might not have got whooped, but some shit was going to happen back to you. Anyway, they always respected me. So they wanted to lock me up in the medical like I was mentally. And I wasn't mentally ill. I wasn't physically ill. I didn't have any diseases. So I had to stay in gym pop. But they couldn't handle me in gym pop because the niggas was losing their mind. So the warden put me on house arrest in my own house for 11 and a half months. Oh, that's not bad at all. So not so, at all. So you was physically locked down for 48 days, though. I know yes. it has to be very interesting to be a man with with breasts in, you know, in gen pop. Like, you know, like, you know, b due to your uncle's affiliation and your affiliation with your uncles, is that what kind of kept a lot of heat off your back? Like nobody bothered you? That had a little play, but I knew how to speak. I knew how to talk to men. I knew how to talk to strong men and weak-ass men. See, there's a difference on talking to a strong man and a weak man. And if you don't know what that is, then you ain't experienced enough. Because you can't come at everybody the same way. You got to know how to schmooze. I was a smooze and sissy, baby, back in the day. <laughs> Survival of the fittest. It was. So... That made it just like, you know, flame cool. I had some guys I was cool with, even some of the Muslims. Then I'm, if I'm going to tell you that everybody played, they didn't. But I would watch on the other side of being in a men's institution and being looking like this, seeing how the women would come to prison. And this was before it became privatized. This was way back because all this privatized shit is something new. And mm -hmm. these men would get all riled up. They could touch and smell and all that in the, in the visiting room, but they couldn't smash. So when they came back to the tip, the closest thing that they had that was feminine, which was me or any other sister, I was the only tranny, but it was plenty of turnouts in there. 
baby, I watched them men get riled up by their visiting girlfriends and come and do some things that they would admit to me, because we would always talk, that they said, I wouldn't do this in the world, but I'm in this situation. This is what they told me. So I was, I'm young. I'm talking to my like, well, then don't come back to this situation. Here's my thing on men who keep going back and back and back and back to prison. You can't like pussy as much as you say. Because let me tell you something. Ain't no pussy in prison. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fraction thereof unless you fuck with some of these guys and they do fuck. But it ain't no pussy in prison. You can't lay up with somebody and hold them and squeeze them because it ain't no pussy in prison. And you ain't going to convince me that you like pussy like you say because I ain't going to keep doing the same dumbass things and keep going back to the same dumbass situation. I'm just right. saying. If you so, keep going to jail, you must got a boyfriend you trying to visit. <laughs> you know, there's some rappers I said that about because there's some rappers who like, you know, they get out and they go right back in. It's like, yo, did you meet somebody you like? You know, because, yo, you're supposed to get back to your fans, your kids, the world, the, the luxuries of being who you are. Your family. The Look, the hookup in jail is real. But you know what bothers me here, Craig, because I said this back in 91 when I was in jail. I asked why would they weren't passing out condoms. We would make condoms out of... um. The rubber gloves, where it was using the thumbs back then, then put the rubber band on. Oh, honey, you know, in prison, they came up with some ingenious shit. I learned more in prison than I ever knew in so, 48 fucking days. So, Flame, um, let, let me they ask. Wouldn't pass out condoms. So, I asked, I asked why they wouldn't pass out condoms because that was pretty AIDS had just started really going big. They said that it promotes sex. I said, well, they ain't doing it anyway. Right. You might as well protect them. But were you smashing any of the inmates? Oh, no, because I only had to do 48 days. I smashed nobody. But I knew the power that I had, and I had quite a few delicacies at me. I didn't smash anyone, but I ain't going to say nobody didn't taste the rainbow. I was, call me Skittles, because they was tasting my rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> yo, you could make light out of anything. So I know you had to be happy than a motherfucker when it was like, yo, on the 40, you know, you think you're getting three years, f day 48, you get to skate back to the crib. So how did you pass so the me, time? Let oh, so let me finish the story. So All when right. I got out in 48 days, I had to go to the Skokie Courthouse to report to my parole officer to get, you know, set up for my, my band and everything. So I went to that judge's courtroom. I went to that judge's courtroom just to see her. I sat in her courtroom. I didn't have a case. I wanted her to see me free. So I saw, watched her. A baby, maybe about three months later, her and her family was on vacation in Florida. And she was killed in a freak accident because one of the electrical gates, you know, she was out bike riding and the electrical gate, she pushed the thing and it came and it, and it crushed her. Oh, and did I mention for those 11 and a half months that I took an um, a online electrical class? Really? <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Anywho, she made the paper. The family still got $10 million, but she was killed. I had nothing to do with it. I just used that joke on stage because it sounds so shady. I was about to was say, like, karma yo, is real. I wasn't trying to flag TV on here. Like, I was like, yo, did you just commit to, admit to a crime? Like, but, okay, it's a joke. Okay, I get it. Hell no. I ain't gonna <laughs> talk about it. I saw it in the paper like anybody else. But did I, did I shed a tear off it? Hell no. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But she had a 97% conviction rate. Hear me when I tell you that karma ain't got no time. But that bitch got a date and she never missed her appointment. She never misses her appointment. Damn right. You know, there's so hey, many wicked judges. Is the crazy? I'm watching a show called Your Honor right now on Showtime, and like you know, it's about a judge who's like tied up in all this wicked shit, and it's like, and the parallels of reality are, are very, you know, you know, it, it it's very identical, man. So that's that on that. So you know, so we talked about the low. Let's talk about the high real quick. Um, Tiffany Haddish, period. Yes, Tiffany Haddish, period. Just, just her name. 
Was that the greatest set I ever had? I didn't think so. I think that one of the greatest sets I ever had on film is when I was in Uptown Comedy Club. Uh, they have that on YouTube. I had on a Hold blue on, one, dress. Two, two seconds, Fling. Oh man, they all want to be on. They all want to do YouTube channels the whole night. Now, you know, the, here's the thing. Um, you know, my oldest was a piece of cake. You know, like you know, his biggest thing is like he never wanted to disappoint me. That was his biggest thing. And even to this day, like you know, he just made the dean's list. He's like, you know, do, doing school virtually. He made the dean's list. I've never had to bail him out of jail. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I mean, like you, you know, you got your things, but like, you know, hey, you forget to do your chores and whatnot. But beyond that, man, like the the kid's been a one. I couldn't ask for a better first child you know what i mean the kid's perfect in my eyes oh no no the, son, the, the sons are good i'm this, my drama ain't for my son my, is your daughter? Is my daughter oh my god now how old is your daughters both of them 17 and 14 and good god oh yeah you went for some trouble because everybody i know who got daughters they they all like stressed out you know the, the patches missing in their head it's a different level of stress i am fortunate enough Ooh. to only make boys all i make is left twix you know what i mean so I've been oh, wow. lucky in that regard, but all they do is wrestle and fight. You know, it's it's like WWE up in here sometimes. I think I'll take that over this talk back because I'm one of these doors. I'm going to make the news. I'm telling you, you're going to see Tranny going wild. I'm going to make the news. I'm going to be on TMZ. <laughs> what do y'all beef about the most? Boys, what else? Ah. Uh, and, and, and as much as you probably like, I mean, I know you're not traveling as much during the pandemic or maybe you are, but, you know, you, you, got, you got a pretty erratic schedule. So, you know, and, and teenagers are crafty, except that one. I wish mine would have snuck out of the house or done something like fly. But, you know, like, eh, you know, you don't want to disappoint me. But so with you moving around, they're knowing where you're at. You know, how hard is it to keep them under your thumb? Uh, they're a product of their mommy and their daddy. I'm their daddy, and I know the freak that their mommy is. I'm telling you, my kids gonna be doomed. They fucked up. I'm just letting you know in advance. They all fucked up. <laughs> Are you still finding those socks in your son's room? Nah, that nigga. Did, I think that nigga did crossed over. Oh, so he's doing the real he, thing now. Yeah, he's a Capricorn. He's very private about his private life with me and any. One else, so I, I respect his privacy. You know, if he needs anything, what I love about my son is hair crack. I never want to lose his respect. That has always been my one fear to ever lose my son's respect. Because even though I'm transforming and whatever, my son knows who I am, knows exactly what I do, and proud that I'm his daddy. And I've heard him tell his friends, "I'm proud of my dad. That's my dad." You know, he stands up. That cheers me up sometimes to think that my son is so proud of me. So whatever I do in this life, I never want to make my son feel disrespected. Them daughters come and go. Let me tell you something. Girls are damn wishy-washy. They like me this mm. morning and they hate me in the evening, but they're still my daughter. So I, I can't even worry about them. But to lose the respect of your son as a black man to me is, is quite hurtful because then he'll make it like it just goes on for the next generation. He won't care if he loses the respect of his son. I, that's important to me. I want my son to always respect me. Ask his father with the, with just what I look like. I, I see what the fuck I ask his father. Thank you. Because I won't look like this when this interview is over. I'm going to look like Buster Ryan shit. <laughs> Not Buster Ryan. <laughs> so, you know, so. I love Buster. <laughs> so, how do the conversations go with you and him? Like when you talk about girls and date? Because I know you got so much game to give because, you know, you're seeing it from both sides. So, does he receive that information well? He does. He does. And that, that is going to be the beauty of my children. Because I have been the husband and the wife, sometimes in the same night, depending on who turn it was, how much money was involved. Uh, 
I can give you both sides of the coin. So I talk to my daughters about me and I tell them, I know the treacherous things that I have done with women in my lifetime, you know, on, you know, so I, I tell my daughters, a man will use you up all he can. You got to have some value, some self-worth. But, you know, girl, girls, I'm telling you, them, them hormones get deranged and you can't fight it. You can't fight it because, first of all, they use you on you. You know, everything in life is a Frankenstein effect. You know, I relate everything to movies. Everything is a Frankenstein effect. Everybody think that Frankenstein was the monster. Frankenstein was never the monster. No. He created the fucking monster. Mm-hmm. We create these monsters and then we don't want to face them. Same thing he did. He created a monster and he didn't want to face it. It killed him. If you don't face your monster, it's going to catch up with you and it might kill you. And baby, my kids are a product of me. So I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to be doomed. Y'all going to see me gray. I'm going to be on stage, broke down, still trying to tell some damn jokes. <laughs> Stay in the game. Stay in the game. If you've got puff a little herb to take the edge off, stay in the game. Come on, Flame. Now, you talked about the lows. Let's talk about that. Oh, you talked about the Tiffany Haddish thing. That was definitely like a big level up. That was a blow up. Where do we go from here, Flame? The call. It it was the call here, Craig. That was the the high. Tiffany called me and said, listen, I I got something for you. Get your 30 minutes tight. Nine months. I I didn't hear from her for nine months. Next thing I knew, I got a contract from Tiffany Haddish, Wanda Sykes, Paige Hurwitz, Pusha Productions, and Netflix. Say, bitch, we want you. I feel like I was in the military. We want you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and it was just wh- what Tiffany did for me here, more than just giving me an opportunity to shine and show who I was, was Tiffany let down the curtain to let all the other comedians and everybody else know that, oh, that's just flame. Flame cool as shit. Flame, real easy to talk to. You know, it took away the intimidation of y'all and me. So now it's just us. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what I want to do. So that's what Tiffany did. Comedians who wouldn't work with me, who wouldn't speak to me, who didn't fuck with me. After I did They Ready, when I walk in the room, what's up, Flame? What's up, my nigga? What's up, dude? Whatever they call me. See, I don't take that to heart. That's not disrespectful to me. I had a guy come up to me and say, you know what? I know what you is, but you a funny-ass nigga. Another a queen was with me. She was like, that was disrespectful. I told her, stop. That's my world. That's not disrespectful to me. In the black community, that's a compliment all day. That's a compliment mm-hmm. all day long. I took that compliment because that's what it was for me. I'm in y'all arena doing what I love to do, but y'all see me for who I am and not who y'all want me to be. So I, that's why I don't get into all that. You know, I'm not like you, you. That's all I ever wanted here, cry from the from the from the comedians was to be treated as another comedian. Male or female, whatever you call me. That, that was cool. And it's happening full blast right now. Now, you know, just to keep it on some low-level nigga shit real quick, let's just say if you, like, you know, you're running into somebody on the Come streets on. and they want to embrace you, do you prefer a hug or a dap? Oh, uh, well, with coronavirus, I don't want you to be, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> okay, corona aside. <laughs> corona aside. Like, you know, what is your preferred form of embrace to people that want to show you love in the street? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? You know, because sometimes oh, we're so confused. Like, well, what do you do? So I usually hug women, but I let men make the lead. Because men do hug me. But okay. if he don't reach out to hug me first, I don't reach out to hug him because I find it as a form of disrespect because some men might say, are you trying to push up on me? So I usually let the man lead in that. So if he reach out to that, I dap. If he reach out to hug, then I hug. Because I don't want you to ever feel uncomfortable with me and my presence because I, I know I'm still, a, I'm still a looker. I still can do it. I'm pulling <laughs> the men left and right. But I don't want to make you as a man feel uncomfortable with me because when you meet the next trans girl, 
you might just immediately want to pop off on her. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I can make it easier for the next girl behind me, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, my, my LGBT community don't always agree with me, though. They, they sometimes, they don't like my message. They don't like my delivery. They know the message be spot on, but it's my delivery. Hey, you know, not everybody's going to love it. Hey, man, you are who you are and you're blazing the trail. So, you know, before we run, got to talk about your podcast real quick, the Laugh and Learn podcast. Uh, from what I understand now, you guys are about to start having to do it out of the uh, the garage. What, what was the fly name you have for it? The... You called it something uh, the on the other we, episode. Like, the Hishi we Cave. Is that what you called it? Okay, I guess so. So, like, so everybody pulling up to the cave. That damn, COVID, cave, so that damn COVID, that damn COVID, you know, you used to have to get dressed in the, in the, and drive to the studio to do the show. And, you know, now you just get to roll out of bed and just roll up. That's kind of how I do my radio show. Like, damn COVID. Oh, but y'all don't want me to do that because I ain't like Beyonce. I didn't wake up like this. It's going to be great. You know what? I, I really appreciate Charlamagne. Charlamagne the God, hats off to you. I, solid I, brother, I, I man. Very solid brother. Being such a master at your craft and just seeing people's talent right on. You ain't got to listen to nobody else's woo-woo-woo. Whatever Charlemagne feel, he rolled with. I appreciate that about him. And uh, we, the show is called Laugh and Learn. And it's a great transfer of information. Uh, us, along with our fans, the Flamettes, and the people who come in. I pride myself here, Craig, and this ain't no dig at nobody else. I know you, you got some smart people over here, too. I pride myself on having the smartest listeners on the internet because my people are so brilliant. And I love that we transfer information to each other because we don't know everything here, Craig. Mm -hmm. And you know everybody has a story. You know yeah. everybody has a story. We, you you want to hear from this man just as well as you want to hear it from the celebrity. So we have, we politics, parenting, we talk about everything. We talk it's about everything. It's such a dope balance. It's such a dope balance of information, man. I, I wish you nothing but success on it. New episodes every Thursday, right? Every Thursday. Yep, so be sure you pull on up YouTube. on that. The, the Laugh and Learn podcast. And if people want to follow you online, if they're not already, where do they go? You go to at Monroe Flame, where we tape Laugh and Learn every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So you can be part of the live conversation before the editing. But that's at Monroe Flame. Uh, Facebook is my whole legal name, Marcus Flame Monroe Parker. Don't y'all start Googling me and shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else I got? What else? Oh, YouTube. Y'all follow my YouTube page. Subscribe to my YouTube page, which is Flame Monroe, or my partner, Nick Smith News, one word. And or Lawrence Hogan. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Hey, Craig, I had fun. Thank you. Yo, I had fun talking to you. Yo, you just as live as you are, you know, on tape as you are, you know, virtually in person. So, yo, hopefully this is the last time, you know, we build and connect and uh, continue success with everything you got going on. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. I appreciate you guys watching and following, subscribing, all of that. Listen, hey, Craig, 2021. The motto is to make it count because people are dying left and right every day for some reason. Everything ain't COVID. I ain't going to never believe that. But mm. people are still dying in droves and we can't visit them. We can't go to their funerals. Make it count. 2021, every day, make it count. That's what we're doing, man. Much love to you, man. Have a blessed year. Peace. Later, Flame. <laughs>